0: This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 221 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. Our guest this week is Lauren Zabrick, director of the Cybersecurity Project at Harvard's Belfer Center. She's co-author of a recently published report on the Belfer Center's Russia Matters website titled U.S.-Russian Contention in Cyberspace, Are Rules of the Road Necessary or Possible? It's a compelling look into the state of Russo-American relations in cyberspace, why progress in this area is challenging, and what steps might be taken to help both nations work toward improved understanding and someday cooperation. Stay with us.
1: to tell people it's sort of a long and winding road you know up until this point um, so I started my career in the military I was in the Air Force and I was an intelligence officer after about five years I got out um, and then I did a very brief uh, stint in consulting and I decided that it was not for me and I would go back into the government and that's where I became a civilian intelligence analyst. From there I did some really cool things. I worked on counterterrorism I deployed a bunch of times to Afghanistan um, but in 2015 my husband got a job up in Boston and I tried to stay with the government but you know for a bunch of different reasons it just didn't work out and you know what I thought was going to be the worst thing to happen was actually kind of the best and I left government. And I joined a, a little-known uh, startup called Recorded Future. Um, back in the day, I was—I uh, don't know—number fifty-six, I think. Um, and I started out as a solutions engineer, just sort of uh, climbing, clawing, I guess you can say, my way up and figuring it out. And you know, I had never done anything related to cyber before, so it was a lot of learning on the job. Um, but I'm eternally grateful to not only Christopher Alberg for taking a chance on me, but my then boss, now, you know, just friend, uh, Scott Donnelly, for doing the same. And then I moved over to the customer success side of the house where I established and ran the public sector team. So just really built out a lot of processes and built out the team. And from what I understand, it's a really great Functioning team uh, with some of the st- same people today, so it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I, you know, as I was getting out of government, I applied to the Harvard Kennedy School. Um, you know, there are a lot of things getting out of the government. I was just, you know, I'm like, oh, I really want to fix the intelligence community. I shouldn't have to leave. You know, as this great analyst, so um, so I applied and I actually got in, but I deferred a year, um, and then I started in 2018. Um, and by that time, having been at Recorded Future for two years and really watching the space evolve, I became very interested in cyber policy. And um, I always joke that I don't know what my then advisor, now boss, Eric Rosenbach saw in me because I was exhausted. I was a brand new mother. I had a three month old when I first started the Kennedy school, which is ridiculous. You know, I was in his cyber policy class and, you know, I was definitely the nerd in the front row, but, um, <laughs> you know, raising my hand and, but again, I was, I was exhausted. I was commuting, you know, an hour each way. So when he asked me in the spring semester, if I wanted to come and actually be the, executive director of the cyber project which michael Solmeyer had um, you know he was there and then and he had recently left to go down to cybercom i was in shock for like a day i was like are you kidding me you want me to do this um i knew it would be a life-changing thing and you know i remember talking to christopher about it and he was so supportive and i said okay let's do it um, and it has been life changing. It's been really incredible to be here. Um, you know, so it's been a really interesting journey, and um, you know, just grateful to everyone.
0: Well, the, what we're here to talk about today is this paper that you all recently put out. It's titled "U.S.-Russian Contention in Cyberspace: Are Rules of the Road Necessary or Possible?" Um, and this is on the Russia Matters section of the Belfer Center's uh, website. Um, Let's just start off with some high level stuff here. I mean, what prompted the creation of this paper?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned, you know, this position being just really interesting, life-changing, you know, we've been able to do some really interesting things. And so one of those things is this track two dialogue for the listeners who aren't familiar with a track two dialogue, which I wasn't before you know coming here um, it's sort of a, a officially you know unofficial but but formal enough discussion between two entities, two nations for instance, that don't really have great formal official relations but you know need to have this communication um, and so it often happens within academia or think tanks for instance. Um, between these two countries so that the Elba group dialogue at the Belfer center is comprised of retired military and intelligence officials um, on the U S side and the Russian side in October of 2019. Um, and this, this dialogue has been ongoing for 10 years. It's traditionally focused on very strategic and nuclear threats in October of 2019, Um, the group decided that they wanted to do a dialogue focused on cyber. And um, I was actually invited to that. I was the first woman to participate in those actual dialogues. And so, um, you know, traveling to a a third party nation and sitting across from the Russians was pretty wild. Um, Mm. But out of that discussion, Um, the Russia Matters group at Belfer approached us and and asked, hey, you know, there's some interesting things, you know, that transpired that, you know, came out of this. What if we wrote a paper on this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And I recruited some students who are very keen on on helping to write it.
0: Well, let's go through the paper together. I mean, can you give us an overview? What were you looking to cover here? What's the spectrum of things that the paper contains?
1: So... You know, I, I will caveat this by saying we started this paper a long, long time ago. So I think many um, listeners and readers now might be a little, like, surprised to see the lack of of um, any focus on the ransomware issue. But again, that's because it was started a long time ago and we finally got it published in, in June. Um, but essentially, it's broken up into two main parts, and this is where it gets really interesting. On one side, it's myself and my two students who you know, wrote it from our perspective and as an American perspective, not, of course, representing any um, official government uh, positions on this. On the other side, though, is the fact that we got a Russian author to write part of it, and during the process, we did not have any sort of communication, and I did that for a couple of reasons. I thought it really just revealed some very interesting things. But you know, on the American side, I think we we're much more focused procedurally. Um, you know, we were trying to identify um, some of the areas that you know we thought could be um, are the most important to maybe come up with agreements and and really we are arguing that we can't do this right now there's just um there's not enough trust there's you know our interests just seem diametrically opposed there's a lot of goodwill that you know you, it will take years to get there right but in the long term it is in our best interests of both nations to enter into some sort of agreement on cyber rules of the road Now, on the Russian side, you know, there there are places that we agree, there are places that we didn't agree, there are places that, you know, one of the sides covered, the other didn't, for instance. The biggest thing that I learned out of this paper was that, and and perhaps I was naive, but I just never really had understood this or realized this or knew this, but um, Russia has never officially acknowledged any sort of offensive cyber capability um, you know, I, I figured because you know back when we were talking about solar winds and the fact that you know it it, it was a it was perpetrated by the SVR, the Russian intelligence service. So I was like, well, it's an intelligence arm. Of course they're not going to um, to acknowledge any any sort of operation. I guess in in truth, like they they really just their whole entire party line is that we do not do any sort of offensive cyber. Um, operations or, or activities and anything in the military cyber realm is is just you know off limits it's too dangerous etc. Hmm. And so that really put things into perspective for me.
0: Well one of the things uh, that I enjoyed as I was reading through the paper is, is sort of how you organize things. I mean you have the the points on which the Russian and US authors agree, the points on which you disagree, Uh, and then areas that each of you cover sort of independently. Why don't we start off with some of the things that you're in agreement about?
1: We agree that, um, you know, especially that a formal binding agreement really isn't possible right now. Um, Like I said, there's just too much mistrust, too much misunderstanding and really different approaches to cybersecurity. So, you know, just to highlight one of those is... Russia really has more of a focus on sovereign state control of the internet than we do. And so that just completely colors their perspective, you know, when, when it comes to these issues. Another area that we agree is that we really need to understand each other's use of cyber and understanding of, a, of each other's red lines. Um, something that the Russian author describes in this paper is that based on the the piece that I just talked about with, you know, uh, militarization of cyber and you know them not acknowledging that that is that they apparently perceive the establishment of Cybercom as as very hostile or very aggressive, for instance. Mm. And so, if there's any sort of way to be more clear, be more transparent, um, then I think that would go a long way to help us. And that you know we really should focus on barring cyber operations, um, especially focused on critical infrastructure, especially things like uh, the nuclear domain.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, red lines, because one thing I've noticed, and, and um, you know, please let me know if I'm on track here, is that um, the U.S., for example, is very hesitant to even say what red lines may be because uh, they don't want to tip their hand. And it strikes me that that makes it more difficult to find common ground. If you can't, if, if either party is, is just sort of being fuzzy about what potential rules of the road might be.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and I think, I think we're very hesitant because of, you know, recent history and, and, you know, saying something as a red line and then not following through on that. So we just want to make sure that we can follow through. And so, Again, that ability to be very clear um, about actions and responses, I think, would just really go a long way to um, clarify a lot of activities, but also have a ripple effect um, across, you know, the the international landscape. But one thing that, you know, we wrote about in the paper was that um, these operations really do offer the administration to say or the ability to say, you know, what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. And that's actually something that I've heard a lot um, from them recently is this concept of responsible state behavior. And so, mm. you know, especially with all this new leadership at the helm between the new national cyber director, the um, deputy national security advisor for emerging technologies and cyber and the new um CISA director, but then also with the new State Department's um, Bureau of Cybersecurity and Emerging Technologies. There's a lot of really great leadership here that are very focused on these issues. And um, I think, you know, we'll start to to hammer that out and, and, you know, help us get past that.
0: Are there areas that, that could be considered low-hanging fruit? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, for example, hospitals. You know, even in, in kinetic warfare, there's a, there's an agreement, you know, we're not going to go after each other's hospitals. Is it a challenge to even have those agreements if the other side isn't acknowledging any capabilities whatsoever?
1: Exactly. That's something that I really came out of this um, with that understanding is I think there are some low-hanging fruit Um, especially with critical infrastructure. It's something that we discussed in that ELBA group meeting. Um, You know, it's something that both countries are very vulnerable with. But yeah, if, if one side isn't even acknowledging it, then I don't know how you necessarily make that next step. And so something that the Russian author Pasha talks about is, you know, Russia really needs to get over that to, to, actually acknowledge that because they're, the failure to do so then puts all cyber issues sort of into one existential heap. And you can't really distinguish between the, the lower risk stuff from the higher risk stuff. So that's something that I think is number one.
0: Do, is there speculation on why they come at it that way? Why they're being coy about their capabilities?
1: That I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And that's something that I hope that further... Discussion like through these track two and track 1.5 do- dialogues will begin to unearth and hopefully
0: draw it out. What were some of the points on which you and, and your Russian uh, colleagues disagreed?
1: Mm, good question. Um, the Russian author, Pasha, really talks about um, the risk of cyber related escalation to kinetic conflict um, and it's not that we said, no, that's not possible, but we were more um, hesitant to sort of go there. Just, you know, there hasn't been a lot of real world examples. And, and you know, we also referenced the study, um, I think it was by Brandon Valeriano at the Atlantic Council on, you know, is is cyber inherently escalatory? But where we were really um, concerned about, you know, more so than kinetic conflict was, the risk from unintended or even intended destruction or catastrophic damage from malware, ransomware, et cetera. So, you know, at that point when we were writing this, we were really looking back towards, say, NotPetya. Um, but of course, with the, the recent spate of, of much more uh, targeted and even um, sophisticated ransomware, that's something that we're very concerned about as well.
0: How do you suppose we get to the point where we can have good faith discussions? What's the, what does the trust building process look like? What could it look like?
1: We talk about like five main areas that I think once we get to, you know, more trust and goodwill, what those discussions would look like or or how they would be framed out. We talk about um, needing greater alignment of interests, for instance, um, we talk about something called costly signals. Essentially, that is, you know, the uh, each side sort of showing in some way um, to the other that you know we're we're serious about this and we're mm. going to do something that signals to you that we are serious. And so, S- it, sort
0: of the nice data center. Be shame if anything were to happen to it, kind of. Kind of <laughs>
1: well, <thing. laughs> it, you know, it's more like um, in the paper we reference, you know, shutting down troll farms, for instance. But I think uh, I
0: see. Yeah. Uh, you know,
1: in today's environment, or you know, in the recent months, it could also be Russia deciding to say, "Okay, we are going to start arresting these these cyber criminals um, that are uh, propagating this this ransomware." Um, I see. We talked about codified procedures being very specific about the goals um, and and how those actual dialogues would run. Um, We talked about equal rank and authority um, and even things like clear attribution standards. You know, that's something that we know is very hard, things, you know, verification and attribution. But one of the areas that we talked about was um, creating like an international standards body for attribution. So, you know, if you can designate these, these clear thresholds, you know, then, then perhaps the way that you get there won't come under attack, even if the, um, the results, you know, maybe aren't what a country likes, but, you know, if we can all agree on the actual standards, then perhaps that would get us, you know, more towards there. But yeah, we, we definitely think there's, there's a probably years of, uh, of, of trust and goodwill that need to be built up. And that, you know, we talk about through confidence building measures, we talk about these dialogues, the track 1.5, the track twos, and even some, you know, we've talked a little bit about joint initiatives, for instance, I don't think we're quite there yet, um, especially on, on combating cybercrime, but that is a a tool in the diplomatic toolbox, if you will.
0: Are you hopeful that we can get there? Are there signs that that this could be a successful endeavor?
1: I am hopeful. I will always, you know, err on the side of of hopefulness. And I I think, too, with the current administration and and the leadership that I described, then I I think we have a much better chance, Um, especially because the president, you know, really understands the nature of the threat Um, But then also, I I do think, you know, too, with the, you know, our domestic environment and and understanding the threat there, too. um, It's not only incumbent upon the government, you know, through diplomatic or military or, you know, other means, but it's also incumbent upon all of us as individuals, as well as companies and organizations to make ourselves harder targets as well. So it's you know, everyone talks about this whole of nation, whole of government kind of, um, you know, responsibility, but it's true. We all play a hand in this. This is not the days of old with uh, traditional national defense, where the government and the intelligence community would be the ones who are responsible for protecting us. It's it's on all of us.
0: Our thanks to Lauren Zabrick from Harvard's Belfer Center for joining us. The research is titled U.S.-Russian contention in cyberspace. Are rules of the road necessary or possible? Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web, cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.